Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 324. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2017, Certified American Grown Flowers. The Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit AmericanGrownFlowers.org. Last month, I traveled to Portland for a wonderful day hosted by Mayesh Wholesale, one of a series of design workshops featuring their 2017 design star, Christy Halsey. Christy is the owner and creative director of Colonial House of Flowers in Statesboro, Georgia, outside of Savannah, and she was selected by Mayesh to be this year's design muse. In the past, as I understand it, the creative inspiration and instruction shared by each year's Mayesh Design Star was mostly video-based. This year was incredibly ambitious, with Christy signing on for a coast-to-coast tour of workshops and events. As you'll hear in our conversation, recorded after the all-day hands-on workshop that she and her team presented, Christy and I originally met in 2014 at the Chapel Designers New York Conference, where Holly Chapel graciously asked me to speak about Slow Flowers. Later, Christy's Colonial House of Flowers joined slowflowers.com, inspired at some level to honor Christy's grandmother's love of gardening and designing with seasonal flowers. In fact, she mentions her grandmother's influence often. When Christy joined the Design Star program, Mayesh posted a lovely Q&A with her for their blog, and you'll want to follow the link I share in the show notes to find that interview. But here are a few favorite excerpts. She says this, in 2012, I assumed ownership of a little nearly 50-year-old landmark flower boutique that was in my family called the Colonial House of Flowers. I believe the spirit of my grandmother's creativity and ability to resourcefully create something sophisticated flutters through everything I do. In 2014, Amanda Courier, my sister, joined the Colonial House of Flowers team. Seasonally relevant flowers, branches, and fruit are the true medium of our art. I'm ever thankful for my grandmother, who always sent me into the garden, who brought me a found plant as a gift, taught me to dig bulbs, grow cuttings, and stop at random roadside stands on family travels. I'm really excited about the gaining momentum of American-grown flowers. Slow Flowers speaks to me. I'm excited that the movement is finally coming to the southeastern United States. Last December, I interviewed Christy for an AmericanFlowersWeek.com story about the 8 by 12 foot three-dimensional American flag that she and a team created using only domestic flowers. The project was commissioned by Certified American Grown, and it was on display at the Wholesale Florist and Floral Supplier Association Conference in Miami. 
You can find a link to photos of that beautiful patriotic installation and read my interview with Christy at today's show notes for episode 324 at com. Christy has had a whirlwind year, and you'll love hearing more about the Mayesh Design Star experience, which is coming to a close next month. She has taught workshops all around the country, sharing her design philosophy with professional peers, aspiring designers, and floral enthusiasts eager for inspiration. In conjunction, she has also taught a number of succulent design workshops at Pottery Barn stores located in Mayesh Branch cities, and she's filmed numerous design videos. I'll share a few in our show notes, too. As an added bonus, Mayesh CEO Patrick Dawson sat down with me to record a conversation, which you'll hear after my interview with Christy. This was a rare chance for me to hear more about the Mayesh story and to ask Pat to weigh in on the Slow Flowers movement, promoting a greater level of local and seasonal flowers in the conventional wholesale floral channels. I wasn't disappointed, and I'm so glad you can sit in on our give and take. Here's a bit more about Pat Dawson. As one of nine children, all who are shareholders in Mayesh Wholesale Florist, Patrick has been the CEO of the company since 1985. A natural-born leader, he has been a member of Vistage, an international CEO leadership program, for 21 years. He is past president of Child Share, which helps place foster children in homes, past president of WUFSA, which is the Wholesale Florist and Floral Supplier Association, board member of the Southern California Flower Growers Association and past president of the Oakmont Country Club. Passionate about flowers, leadership, and mentoring, Pat is an avid golfer who also enjoys yoga and Pilates workouts, along with traveling with his three daughters, Allison, Kirsten, and Desiree. Please visit DebraPrinzing.com to see photos from the workshop and to learn more about Mayesh and Colonial House of Flowers. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so delighted today to welcome Christy Halsey of the Colonial House of Flowers. Hi, Christy. Hi, Deborah. And you're in Statesboro, Georgia? That's correct. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I even knew that factoid. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sitting down with me after teaching all day as uh, the Mayash design star, uh, and you're on the tour with Mayash. You did a great workshop, and I'm so happy I got to sit in on it. You're so welcome. It's my pleasure. As you know, everything really for me, you started a spark in in my heart many years ago. So for me, it's a it's really a full circle moment. Oh, it really is. And just to kind of loop back to that, um, we met in 2014, maybe in New York. I don't even remember. I just remember it was New York City, and that I was um, I, I felt a fish out of water, or I felt new on the scene and intimidated and. I'm listening to you speak, and um, I either won or picked up a, a book that you autographed, and it just made me feel at home. I felt like somebody else. It was okay for me to feel the way that I felt about Slow Flowers. Oh, that's so <laughs> neat. Well, I'm so glad that you're involved with Slow Flowers, and, um, you know, this is three hours away in Portland. When I, I was so proud of you for being selected to be the design star for Mayash, which I guess I didn't know much about it until you were selected. Then I started... <laughs> paying attention to um, not only how significant it is for someone professionally, but also what a commitment it is. 
So tell me a little bit about what your year has been like. Um, my year, it's been intense. Um, it, it's been great. Uh, we have produced 12 videos, one episode for each month. And oh then gosh. also we went on an eight city tour um, across the country. And uh, we piggybacked with Pottery Barn and added a succulent workshop with American Grown Flowers in each of those cities. Um, so it's been busy, but I just keep telling myself the slipper comes off. In November, and so just enjoy it while I can. <laughs> the slipper and maybe the tiara, right? Yes, that's right. Wow, that's so great. So your um, your journey to floral design is really fascinating because you uh, had a previous career and um, you kind of fell into this opportunity uh, with Colonial House. Can you describe like how that happened and when that happened, when you kind of got into floral? Um, it was really accidental as far as uh, it was in my husband's family and it was a flower shop that had just, it just not, it was in a natural uh, moment of decline and um, it was passed along to us and we were able to rebrand. And for me, my grandmother, who is 91, we were able to kind of search deep and hear all those things that she had told us over the years that we didn't even realize with, that was inside of us. Because she's a real yeah. avid gardener, isn't she? She is. Uh -huh. She's called the butterfly girl oh my for gosh. all of her natural arrangements. She doesn't use um, imported flowers or, or, or florist flowers or anything. She grows everything or gets it from farms, everything. Wow. So really, so. that was sort of in you from childhood, but it, you just took it, maybe just accepted that that was sort of your family story and, it, and connecting that with a business mission is really unique. It's your unique story, right? And saying your grandmother inspires you and... It's things we didn't even know. Even as this past year, my mom, <clears throat> my uncle, I mean, they're in, my mom is 60, 70. Um, my, my grandmother had us out in uh, August um, getting seeds off of a... Um, Oh, I forget what it's called. It starts with a C, but I'm getting the seeds off of it. And we were all sort of aggravated and it was at that moment I looked at my mom and I thought, you know, this is how we know this stuff. And right. she's, she'd had my uncle um, out trimming eucalyptus to take to my aunt, to take to some wedding. And, you know, everybody sort of pierce lip walks around. But <laughs> after all, I, now I know. This is how we know. <laughs> well, I think after I met you, you did a photo shoot with your grandmother we for did. Pottery Barn. And um that was really so sweet. Did she? Did you have to beg her to do that, or was she game? She seems like a person who's game for whatever she was game. her granddaughter wants her to do, right? Yeah. Well, she um, she found someone to drive her to that photo shoot. She said she didn't know what Pottery Barn was, but she wanted to be in the photo shoot. <laughs> oh, it's cute. <laughs> She's kind of a character, so... Well, and I'm not that we're going to have the whole episode about your grandmother, but I do also want to say how adorable it was to see photos of her at the First Lady's Luncheon in D.C. this year when you were one of the three lead designers um, with all certified American-grown flowers. And there's all these volunteers, and there's Grandma. What, she has a walker or something? or. <laughs> so she would have a walker, and then she on her walker she has a little glass, so in the evenings... Um, it would have a glass of wine in it, <laughs> and she would have her flowers. So we'd have wine, her walker, and her flowers, and she had the best time. <laughs> but what a once-in-a-lifetime, uh, you know, memory for you to have gone through that with her. And oh my god, she said on the plane ride home, she said, um, "I'll never be able to travel like this again." And she said that her dad was a farmer, and she said. 
It's about all that she said on the way home, but she said, um, my daddy would have never believed that I would have been able to do flowers with the White, or at the White House or for the First Lady. And it took my breath away to hear her say that. Mm -hmm. And um, Wow. Yeah, so it was worth it. So tell me about your design philosophy. You've you kind of had this established full service flower shop that you that came into your hands, and then you but you had a lot of rebranding to do. So that was over what the last five years or mm -hmm. okay. What was the rebrand? Was it the name didn't change, right? The name did not change at all. But we changed from um, you. Everyone can imagine the florist shops with the dark green, and then usually there's calligraphy letters, but you couldn't see that from the road. Um, I was able to, I have experience with billboards, so I knew that we were on a four-lane road. We needed to have some visible letters. Kind of graphic, eye-catching. Mm -hmm. um, and then we put the rosemary under the bottom. That was meaningful to me because uh, they say, you know, where rosemary grows, a strong woman lives. Mm. And I felt like the lady who started the shop, Carolyn, I felt like my grandmother, I felt like me, my sister, I felt like there had been a lot of really strong women and this was kind of good. So that's in the, the bottom you'll of your see logo. Of the logo. I never knew that about Rosemary. That's lovely. Yeah. And then the CH is really dr dramatic graphically, right, mm -hmm. in terms of that. That's right. Was the rebranding more than just the visual uh, signage and um, kind of graphic identity? Was it a different philosophy for how you run the business and, you know, kind of services you offer and that sort of thing? It was. Um, we um, were strongly attached to wire systems, and I think they do work beautifully for some people. But for me and our shop, it didn't work very well. Everyone else in town was on them. And so we wanted to really embrace our differences, our weaknesses, and, um, and, and our strengths. And um, part of that was becoming independent. And part of that was... Uh, incorporating slow flowers mm -hmm. and having someone say it's okay it is okay to stick a sprig of rosemary or your zinnia or sunflowers going down the road this is okay huh. um and so that was part of our rebranding we just decided that everything that we have wouldn't be someone something that someone told us to design or told us that we had to use it wasn't someone else's recipe they were things that were good for us in our market wow wow and so um this whole idea of um, being a little more eclectic, not so recipe driven. Is that kind of what you mean about the design? I guess so. To me, I think people think that it's unusual, but to me, it never seemed unusual when we were doing it. This was the way, you know, we thought it was supposed to be was mm -hmm. if, if I had olive branches growing, then we would use a lot of olive. Um, there's an olive farm near us and they're friends with my grandmother. So we could get olive branches and we sell olive oil and people think it's so different but to us it was just being resourceful uh -huh. and um it was the natural thing to do <laughs> and even though you're not associated with a wire service you're still supplying uh, hospitals and and you know birthdays and i mean you're you're doing you do every day. So, and we do a lot of every days we do funeral work we do sympathy work we do dailies just because um, happy birthday. We do. We still do teddy bears and latex balloons. Um, okay. We try to modernize them, but but we do. Um, and we do the casket sprays. I mean, we do a lot. Wow. And how many employees do you have? Um, it ranges. We have three or four that are full-time regulars, and then we have a lot of floaters. And that really works well for us. Miss um, Carolyn still comes in and makes the casket pieces. I mean, she's been there for 50 years. So you kind of inherited Miss Carolyn along with the, the business. As often as we can. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, wow. and, and we have different people come in for events, or um, we have uh, fraternities and sororities do a lot of deliveries. And you know, I noticed that on your website, you're like the official florist of what university, or is it the Greek system or something like um, that? Of Georgia Southern Athletics. Actually, oh. I saw it in a Society of American Florists magazine many years ago, where some uh, florist and it was the north part of the United States have. Uh, co-branded with a baseball team and he talked about how well it worked for him and ever since I read that article it always been my dream and it just happened to to come true and we're able to partner with the athletic department for which university Georgia Southern oh okay Georgia Georgia Southern is in Statesboro it is in Statesboro so what does that mean like all college sports events when there's some kind of floral need like for a boosters reception or whatever you you do flowers in the colors of the mascot or no um it just means that they endorse us and that we support them and oh, it's just cool. like oh it's great it's great wow. and it's a great way we reach men which i always struggle with to be totally honest wow, um, i'm more smart. feminine and our, our flowers are feminine and we do a lot of women to women sales but i struggled with how to reach men and they to connect with them yeah. yeah and they buy most of the flowers and the, the roses and things so we have um Beautiful girls, beautiful flowers, and at a football game. So, what's what? <laughs> right, do the math. <laughs> so it works out great for us. That is so ingenious. You know, I appreciated so much of what you said today when you were very transparent and honest, speaking about your business to the well, like forty people here um, about some of the decisions that you're making to um, to to be different and to be profitable. And you mentioned doing pop up. Floral, floral pop-ups, I guess, mm-hmm. at places like Pottery Barn or Kate Spade. And I, I'm familiar with that mm-hmm. idea of you take your flowers to someone else's business, right? Mm-hmm. But you turned it around and said that you also host other businesses in mm-hmm. your shop. And how, how did you get started doing that? Um, really, it probably started with the workshops. Mm. And um, because we would have guest speakers come in and then we thought, let's just have them come in and sell their items Sometimes it can be, like at Easter, we have a, a lady who comes and um, she makes the, I guess, the living centerpieces, but they have a cross in the resurrection gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have people who come in and sell macrons, too. Just once, it just mm-hmm. kind of is energizing, and they're usually small batch, they're local, um, back to the kind of the origin matters, or, yeah. you know, we know these people, this is what Other they do. Other local mm-hmm. makers or whatever. Right. And so when they come in and do the pop-up, are you taking a percentage of the sale, or is it more you're just creating an event to draw all kinds of customers in the door? Um, we're just creating an event to draw all kinds of customers mm-hmm. in the door. At Christmas, we have something called a Christmas flea, and it was our answer to the open house, and it's just all pop-ups. Wow. Everyone has always said that I should take a commission, and maybe one day I will, but we just ha- we just haven't. It's just building community for you. It is, and then people buy the little things that we have there, too, and these people don't have a brick-and-mortar shop but they have lots of customers. It just kind of works out great for everyone. Wow, that's brilliant. And how big is your shop then, the retail side of it? Um, you mean the floor space? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Like how, are you, how many people are you you're squeezing into what square foot? A ton. But, but the Christmas flea, we take over the parking lot. It's just oh. grown that big. At, oh, wow. When we first started, it was right inside of our shop. It was the ribbon company. It was um, the plant people. Sure, just us. like a little bit. <laughs> And then every year we kind of added, and then it went outside, and then it took over the parking lot. And then last year they had food trucks that came. 
with lobster rolls. And this is all just you opening the doors to others in your community. That's so great. It's so good. When is it? Like right after Thanksgiving or? Um, Yes. It's usually the first or second week into December. Wow. This year we um, are having the Christmas play, but it's not as big as our workshop. Our big focus is going to be on on having Sue McClary. Yeah. So tell me about that. So Susan McClary. Yes. Passion Flower Sue. Good friend of yours. Yeah. I. uh, She's an excellent friend of mine. Um, I met her. um, We've done flowers for big events with Holly Chapel before. Um, And then... She encouraged me to um, apply for the Mayish Design Start, and she was big and fabulous, and um, she really reached down and didn't have to take the time to be kind, but she did. And this is kind of my way to thank her. She's never had a master class. This is her first big master class. So I'm gonna host her in the South, and I have Corbin Gherkin taking the pictures, and um, we have somebody that's doing fashion styling. Wow, and with like a model and a and she, she and, right because you know she does the the uh, floral like, tattoos or whatever yeah, right the floral tattoos and the hats and all that <clears throat> so. so is that um will it be at the colonial house or will you have a different facility it'll be destination it's at musgrove um which is this 1200 acre private estate and um, very southern presidents have stayed there oh my goodness there's andy warhol pictures on the, i'm not even kidding it is the most Crazy story ever, but um, I'm so thankful. It's the most southern place I can think of and a great place to welcome Sue. And it's a place that's known for peace. And um, huh. Mikhail Gorbachev has stayed there. And oh, his, my yeah, goodness. And, and so this is just perfect time to have her down for So that's December 5th? December 5th. And do you still have openings? Um, we do have a few okay. openings. So let's put, let's put the link to registration okay. on that so people can... See it, and by by master class, do you mean this is for you know, like your peers, like professionals, or is it? How do you define that? Um, it is open to anyone. Okay. Um, but by the meaning of master class, it just means that it will appeal to people who do have experience. Yeah. It's okay for people who have a background in flowers. Um, you will come and learn more. And it's also open to people who maybe want to come be inspired and play with flowers. That's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. But um, it will it'll have information that's good from beginners to yeah people who have more experience. And I've set through several of Sue's workshops mm-hmm. and she's just super generous with her uh, knowledge and and you'll be there to are you teaching you're, are you teach? okay um southern living is coming and um, she'll have a little she's gonna she's an attendee Catherine yes. Lott but she's also gonna tell us um how to get things published like what they like to look for oh wow oh so, that's wonderful yeah. oh my gosh okay so uh you and I became closer this year because you started doing some things with Certified American Grown, and I just sort of was cheering you on from the sidelines. Can you talk about the epic, over, overly sized flag that you made <laughs> last winter for uh, Certified American Grown? I mean, this was like, how big was that flag? Oh my gosh, it was eight by 10. It was huge. huge. Yeah, like the side of a wall, like a side of a house or something. Um, When I saw the photos, I was so impressed that I had to call you up and interview you about it. So I have a little story about your flag uh, on American Flowers Week, and I'll I'll share that link for those of you who haven't seen it. Christy envisioned this basically art installation of a giant floral flag. 
uh, and what, drag your husband in on the engineering of it or something like that, or all your friends? Well, we wanted it to billow. We wanted it to look like it was waving, and we wanted it to, at the conference, um, there were um, farms and representatives from all over the world there. We wanted to make a statement for American-grown flowers mm-hmm. and slow flowers. Yeah. Um, there are some of my grandmothers, the pine cone lilies, right in the middle. And yes. There's a great big I love that. Oh, my gosh. So, Thank you for reminding me about that. We just It wasn't just my effort. It was my team from Kona House of Flowers, but I had um, florists from down there, Phyllis with Flowers by Phyllis, Lisa Thorne um, from Alabama. There were people, a lot of people on the behind the scenes yeah. that helped a lot. And a lot of f- farms, um, Oh yeah, the farmers were in attendance at Wolfsa, but they had donated products They as had well. donated, yeah. yes, tons of products. And because we were going through the hurricane at that time, a lot of them, I felt like, put in more time than even usual. Sure. Because um, the Florida farms especially probably were... Kind of hit. Okay. Well, like when they can, we couldn't answer the telephones and things. Even the one, even the American grown flowers that weren't weren't affected by the hurricane had to sort of invest more time and energy into figuring out what we wanted. Oh, and, right, right, right. Yeah. And so that was like, was that January of last year? Oh no, it was. Uh, oh. It was in the fall. Okay. Before May has started, so twenty sixteen. Okay. okay, so about a year ago this time. That makes sense. And then, yeah, yeah, because I know people are traveling to, it's Mm -hmm. WUFSA, which stands for, like, World Shipping and Supply and Floral Industry. Yeah, we'll we'll get that acronym. Um, And then uh, you popped up again on my radar when you were one of the design team members for First Ladies Luncheon, and and that was Congressional Club hosted. It was a nonpartisan, nonprofit Mm -hmm. event. I got to be part of it in 2016, but... The work that you guys did with with um, Kelly Shore and with Margaret Lloyd oh, was yeah. amazing. Oh, it was fabulous. It was really great. Um, we were able to, each person kind of took their strengths. Um, mine, at the time, because of the Mayish Design Star, I had a pool of a lot of volunteers, so I was mm-hmm. able to invite a lot of people mm-hmm. who would come to the workshops to go with me. That's so neat. I, it was so neat because I was able to introduce them to American Grown Flowers. And um, even my grandmother, I felt like it was wonderful because, and I took people from our area who maybe didn't have a lot of design experience, but they were able to take the message back and get it out to people that, people in my town know about People American, in Georgia. Yeah, they know about American Gone Flowers. Uh, the general public, the people that I have to sell to. Are now, be- now aware. Because these people put it on their you know, that people said, what in the world are you doing up there? And Elizabeth <laughs> would say, oh, I'm with American Gold Flower Farmers. <laughs> and um, and so now it was a way to educate the general public. That's me. so neat. That's great. You've had a so, full, crazy year. Yeah. And you have uh, one more workshop in, in Michigan, in Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so great. Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you, um, you were mentioned earlier, you're in you're not in a big city. You're not, Atlanta's an hour away, right? Four. What? Three and a half to four hours Oh, away. Atlanta's three and a half to four. You're an hour from Savannah. That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. But are you able to find local farms to buy from, or is it kind of just still kind of, I, my sense is that there's a lot of farms that are just getting started and are pretty small and they don't have the volume probably. Um, flower area. farms, they're not very strong in our area. It's new to our area, American grown flowers, period, slow flowers. All of this is new in my area. Um, we did have a flower farm, Wilmore Farms, mm-hmm. which is from two hours away. We support them a lot, um, but they're brand new and uh, the hurricanes have devastated yeah. them. But oh my she's, goodness. 
she, they're amazing. They've gone to, she's gone to Florette um, mm -hmm. workshops and she's, um, she's involved with Urban Poppy. Yep. She's mm -hmm. the only other one that I know of in, in our area. Rough, and it's still two hours. Yeah, that is even interested in, in the movement. So hopefully that will begin to change. I mean, I, I, hope I so. hear, I hear, I just heard from somebody in Alabama mm -hmm. this week who wants to start yeah. growing more flowers. And so it's, it's creeping along. Right. But that maybe makes you more dependent on buying from Mayesh because they will, they're shipping. You were able to get products shipped to you, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, out of LA, mm -hmm. in my understanding. So mm -hmm. you could, do you find yourself specifying, you know, you want an American grown? Of course. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, and they're able to do that? They're able to do that. And I, I like to know my farms just because it makes it easier for me to design. I know what color is coming in or what length. Um, I can I can kind of get an idea. Um, in my particular rep, I guess because I kept probably sound like a broken wheel, I would say, please get me these garden spray roses from wherever it might mm -hmm. be, or these tulips, and um, and she does, and so it just kind of ends up that I'm often working with the same farms. Mm -hmm. The and, and you got to visit some of those farms when you were in California, right? Um, every every I've gone to American Golden Flower Farm everywhere that I've been. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You said you're going to go to one tomorrow. Yeah. Oregon flowers. Yes. That's so great. And Casey, um, Casey has done that. He's been so great about making it. I feel like that is one of his strong suits is, is connecting people, and he always connects me. With with Certified American Run Farms. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about Casey Cronquist. That's right. Right. That's so great. Um, I did hear you say in your presentation, and your sister was there with you, uh, that you do some foraging. And oh, yeah. So where are you foraging? Like anywhere. Just, just anywhere in town? Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we have forest at every single mass workshop. We forage at every event. Um, it doesn't matter where we are. Most of our events and workshops are destinations. So, um, I mean, in our yards, our neighbor's yards, or maybe we do just take a just take off in the middle of nowhere down a dirt road. I'm not kidding. We do. You always have your, yeah. your, 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 your clippers Absolutely, in your back pocket. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of times, if it is something that maybe is more prized or something, you can just stop and ask people. Right, and they, right. Or maybe somebody knows if you get the word out. We posted on Facebook, does anybody have a pink flower? And somebody will say, oh, I have honeysuckle or huh. whatever. Wow. So... Is the forage ingredients are kind of the most immediate of the season and the place? Is that why you are adding that to your designs, or it doesn't feel right if it doesn't have it? Even yeah. today, I told my sister uh, I made a bouquet with nothing foraged in it yesterday, and I didn't use it because something was wrong about it. And I think that's the only thing is that it just didn't. It needs a crumpled leaf or a yellow leaf or red leaf, <laughs> whatever is on that. You know, whatever is really. It yeah, makes, it makes sense. Draped over the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We um, when we were in San Diego, we just cut right. There was a tire used tire place, but they had some overgrown, um, some kind of grass, and it was amazing. And we used it in the in the garland there. We just tucked it. Oh, how fun! Mass, so. That's neat. Well, so what's going to be on your plate for 2018? Getting a lot of rest and catching yeah. up with your family. Yes, <laughs> I just listened to Slow Power podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. We really want to focus on doing the destination workshops and um, slowing down a good bit and focusing on our families and, and being smaller. Yeah. And your business has really had to subsidize this year for you mm -hmm. um, because you've had staff that have needed to run the, sh the shop when you've been gone. Right. I mean, you probably would have never traded this for anything because it's Nothing. such a great yeah. opportunity. Right. 
But I'm ready to rest and recoup a little bit. <laughs> and take some of the things that I've learned on the road too back home. Um, I'm ready to be back in my shop. I'm, I mean, I miss it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. Well, will you share some photos of your shop? Of course. Um, and I know that Mayash has a, a huge library of photos now and videos uh, that you've produced this year. So um, we'll, I, mean, if, I can't imagine that people haven't already seen the videos because they show up on my Instagram and Facebook feed. Oh, I guess good. On, I, it's on Facebook, maybe. Okay, good. Um, I love watching them. And, um, you know, you didn't know you were going to become a video star, but now you are. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm the most – I am the wild card. I feel like I'm the most unexpected um, Mayesh design star or even being in front of a video. But one of our videos reached 50,000 people. Wow. So wow. – and we were just adding slow flowers and – it's so humbling. Yeah. It's, it's like you're, you, I think the message today was that you're open to every thing that comes across your path and you'll, you're willing to try to step outside your comfort zone and, uh, you know, see what happens. And maybe yeah. some things aren't successful and some things are huge success, but you don't know if you don't make that leap and try it. That's so. right. I love it. Thank you so much no, for sitting down. So yeah, you got. <laughs> I'm so happy that we finally. I've been waiting all year to come to your workshop so I could interview you in person. So no, so I've been waiting to see you. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, I got a little love fest going on here. Well, thanks so much, and we'll share photos of Christy and her work and uh, all her social places at today's show notes, today's podcast show notes at footprinting.com. So thanks. Flowers podcast, and I am so excited today to introduce Pat Dawson, CEO of Mayesh Wholesale. Hi, Pat. Hey, Debbie. How are you? I'm great. Or is it Deborah? It's either. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it depends on whether you went to high school with me or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, I didn't know I was going to run into you today, Pat. I'm, I'm here in Portland at one of the um, fabulous all-day design star, Mayesh design star workshops, uh, workshops yeah. with Christy Halsey. Christy's going to be on the podcast, too, and I... We've met before, and I said, "Hey, can we can we talk about what's happening in wholesale?" Yeah, yeah. I'm always game to talk about what's happening in wholesale. <laughs> Give me a snapshot of Mash right now. Um, how many branches do you have, or like where do you cover what's uh, your territory? Well, we have 17 physical wholesale distribution centers in nine states, um, and we do national shipping from both our Miami operation and our uh, Southern California LA uh, wow. operation. So really, it, the the branches are limited to geographic. There's people could get product from Mayesh anywhere in the continental U.S. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. And how long have you been doing that? National shipping. I'd say about 25 years. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. But it's it's your brand is bigger and more well known because of these multiple branches now. Correct. Yeah. We think it's a uh, um, they complement each other. Yeah. We can drop the best of the entire world, domestic and import into your special order in some hard to get logistical place. Yeah. Yeah. And so Portland is your first sort of outpost in the Pacific Northwest. It um, is. Right? You've been here for like three years. Three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've gotten to do an event with your team and there's a lot of Oregon and Washington floral and foliage product that I see on the floor at Mayesh. Absolutely. Being here is part of a strategy for having better access to great 
domestic growers and great domestic farmers. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't think about that. So you look at the whole region when you decide to go into a market of who, who the customers are, but maybe who the suppliers are as well. Yeah. It, this area, of course, it has water. Yeah. In California, we struggle with water. Yeah. This area has always been known for, for growers and growers, a lot of growers that don't ship flowers. So for us to be able to access, have grower relations, yeah. transport down to the sun, sell locally here as well, but transport down Southern California um, in water, flowers are living That's organisms in water is beautiful to transport in. So it's a real win for us to be up here. Yeah, I know a few farms that are selling to your Portland branch who are really happy with that relationship. And nice. um, yeah. I've just heard good things about it. But backing up, this is a family business, and you grew up in the family business? Yes. Tell me a little bit about the, the family story. Well, there are. I have eight brothers and sisters. We all work in the business. Mom and dad um, had an army of kids. and Where do you fall in that? I'm third from the oldest. Okay. Yeah. So um, my mom and dad um, got in the business in mid-60s. My dad, early 60s, my dad was a route route driver uh, out of the LA market. I used to pal around with them when I was five, six, seven years wow. old in the truck. Loved it. Um, then he ended up with a couple small retail stores that my mom ran. And, um, you know, so consequently all the brothers and sisters, as we grew up, we, we helped, you know, weekends at the stores and then during the week after school and so on. And over time, uh, my dad ended up working at Mayish wholesale and fast forward another bunch of years. Um, the retail stuff wasn't really working out and he ended up acquiring our mom and dad ended up acquiring Mayish Wholesale. Hmm. At that time, 1978, it was the three-person operation. Wow. So, just L.A.-based? Just L.A., L.A. Flower Market. Yep. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, never really connected the dots that the Dalson family owns Mayesh. There's no <laughs> connection at all, right? Um, no. Just I a, mean, my dad works for Mayesh. But you just kept exactly. the name at Just the kept time. the name. Mm -hmm. Yep. And th from three people to how many today? Uh, probably about 375, something like that. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. And did you join right out of college or right as a young man? Uh, right out of high school. Uh, maybe a couple years out of high school. Okay. Did a few other little odd things. Uh -huh. We actually worked on the flower market for a couple different people before. Huh. Um, Decided to. Before I went with my mom and dad. At wow. Mayesh, yeah. So does that mean you've like held, worn every hat? and Every hat. Are you a designer? I would say not a designer. I will say, <laughs> I bet you can make if you really okay. want, if you really want to laugh, I think I was about 15 years old running the flower shop one day, and somebody came in and they needed a dozen roses of range, and I went for it. Did it? I don't know if it worked for the guy, but we got yeah. paid, and yeah. I did make an arrangement that sold once. <laughs> well, it seems it's funny that I didn't mean to focus on design because yeah. so much of wholesale flower selling is anything but design, right? It's the transportation, the infrastructure. The sourcing, I mean, how how have things changed since the 70s? Was That was kind of pre-import explosion, wasn't it? Correct. Uh, well, we were the late 70s, but yes, import explosion on the West Coast was really late 80s. I okay. mean, stuff was coming in, trickling in. The East Coast had been way ahead of us on that because we had California and mm -hmm. Colorado were really big flower-producing areas, so we had oh. no need for imports oh, so the for East, quite some time. East Coast was bringing stuff in from Holland and that sort and of thing? And from South America. Okay. The first South American shipments were going East okay. Coast. Okay. Mm -hmm. So why did that happen, and when did when when did the, the pivot happen? I mean, you had, I know California has never stopped growing flowers, but Colorado did, right? Colorado did. I think Colorado in general probably wasn't the most effective weather conditions to grow. I mean, they did it. And mm -hmm. people grow all over, but mm -hmm. I, 
I'm speculating. I, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on, yeah. on why that business went away there, but it went away there first. And that was likely, you said late say in 80s. the mid-80s okay. that was starting to go. And then mm-hmm. we, Southern California, imports started coming in, um, you know, regulation on, on, on growers. Right. Growers, uh, kids not having uh, secession plans for kids to go to college and they're not going to run those farms anymore. And things like that happened. Land values went up mm-hmm. and, and people sold. First, the um, sub, uh, San Diego, um, North County, Encinitas mm-hmm. area was a big producing area for a long time. And that started, you know, being sold, land sold off for development yep. uh, over the years. Yep. And um, yep. I think um, also just cheaper labor off, offshore, you know, those and in, kinds of things. Well, and in general, I mean, the U.S. at the same time was kind of going from an agriculture to our agriculture economy, to a manufacturing economy, to like an information economy. So it, the same thing that happened everywhere else was happening in the floral yeah, industry. Yeah, in our industry. I would say and, that's right. And so um, was there a time, I mean, when, I guess when, I'm curious when you probably saw that needle bounce to say 50-50 imports to, to domestic. I would say early 90s. Okay. Yeah. And where do you think, where is it now for you? Is it is it that 80-20? Uh, I bet it's a little bit less than 80-20. Uh-huh. I bet it's more like, but probably 75-25. I think that we've moved the needle back towards domestic by our presence up here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, that's For sure. Cool. And you said earlier, Deborah, um, the business we're in is not necessarily design, although there's aspects of our sales reps that if they know design, they're really great at selling but yeah, we're a logistics and, and figure out transportation logistics type of business too. We may move flowers, but we better move them well, um, fast through the, yeah. and with the cold chain respected and yeah. So are you mainly using Miami and LA as your intake hubs and then like the spokes on a wheel going out to the branches correct. or how does that happen? That's correct. Um, okay. We have um, in the Southern California area, We've got uh, two branches in the greater Phoenix area. We have Las Vegas and seven branches in Southern California. So we have two different DCs, uh, distribution centers in Southern California, LAX, where we clear imports that are direct into LAX. We also use um, our domestic pickups from Carpinteria, Oxnard, and further north for uh, distribution there. And then we have product from um, South America comes in through our Riverside distribution. And then we run consolidated trucks to our branches. So we right. service our own, so we have a transportation fleet. You are, you're a trucking company. We certainly are. And you mentioned product in water. Is that uh, typical or is it just depend on the product? You know, uh, for us, when we started, as a matter of fact, I was a truck driver in those days too. No way. We, yeah, well, for our yeah. company, you know, yeah. work all night and then drive trucks to pick up from the growers. But we picked up in water because we wanted to save uh, box charges and we wanted um, to save the labor of, of, of um, processing product. And hmm. um, we... And the freshness of flowers and water. Right, right. So, so you're still doing that as much as we can. I mean, I know some some things like can be shipped in boxes, like peonies or something. Oh yeah, it's not a problem. Or branches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to compliment you. I mean, I'm not super new to. The, I, I'm relatively new to the floral industry. I came out of garden, the garden industry, mm-hmm. and so I'd say for the last seven or eight years, I've been you know in this slow flowers mode, but. One thing that I'm the least knowledgeable was the least knowledgeable about was wholesale. And the more I observed what Miesh was doing, and the more I am interviewing florists saying, "Where do you get your product?" I feel like you're hyper aware of the fact that there is a subset of the floral industry that wants local or American grown, 
and you're rather than blowing it off you are trying to accommodate that and respond to that would you agree or like when did this all kind of bubble back up well i mean because there's there's products that you're not going to be importing for one thing um, we have great growers in the United States, mm-hmm. and some of them are up to the task. They're mm-hmm. not the big, massive farms that are in South America, but you know, if they're in our backyard, I mean, it makes sense that we're picking up flowers from them. And our backyard is Oregon and Washington too, right, so right. I mean, I'm not talking about just around the corner. Yeah, but yeah, we're well aware that stuff grown domestically and and locally serve a, serve a, uh, a real nice niche for us. There's a lot of costs in transportation mm-hmm. uh, out of South America and so on. There's transportation issues. So the more more yeah. we can control and um, access product that's domestically grown, we're happy to do it. So if somebody who's listening to this is But it has like, to be really good flowers that, that are in demand. Right, so right. We don't do it as a charity case. No, I mean, this is really good to, to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you're – I've I, up in Seattle, I'm really involved in the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. Uh-huh. There have been a few years where – there was far too much of a specific crop that people were growing because there wasn't coordination or, you know, there just was a oversupply, for example, of, I don't try to think of what, of what we had way too much of a certain product one year or another. Um, but if somebody's listening to this, who's got a beautiful product and is, you know, a, a passionate grower, but maybe they only have an acre or two, would, could they sell to a mayash? Absolutely. Okay. That's one of the things that, we try to say, look, we're a fairly large wholesaler. We try to go, listen, no no crop is too small for us, but we want a competitive edge. If you've mm-hmm. got the greatest stuff on your mm-hmm. half an acre, mm-hmm. it's, we want it. Like sweet peas or something that probably sure. isn't going to transport well anyway. Yeah, right? yeah. We, want, we want all the small growers to know that we want to be in your game. Okay. So and we do. Uh, by, you know, most of the regions we're in, there is some local production in yeah. Weather permitting, there's local production yeah. in the market, a lot of the markets that we're in, and we buy from those markets, I, uh, from those growers. I hear those stories. I mm-hmm. think of Michael Genovese and uh, Michigan, Summer Dreams Flower Farm, and he's selling to the Detroit Mayash. Mm-hmm. Just one product, but he's got his product going to that. And I, I keep hearing these stories, and um, it's encouraging. I, I just interviewed some flower farmers in the Asheville area mm-hmm. who... Saw that the you have a branch in Raleigh, right? Uh, uh, Charlotte. Oh, Charlotte. Okay, they saw we service Raleigh. Okay, yeah, they saw the truck coming that filled, filled with flowers from the Charlotte branch coming to deliver to florists in their area, and they thought, huh, that truck's going back to Charlotte empty. We want to put our dahlias on it, and they worked with your guy who's the branch manager, mm-hmm. and they're they're they've had a very successful summer, and now they know their product is going. It's North Carolina grown and it's going to Charlotte and Raleigh um, because they took the risk of, of just cold calling. Yeah. This, and we branch. encourage our branch managers to, to um, seek out those growers mm-hmm. and welcome those growers. Mm-hmm. So it's intimidating. I think if, you know, as a small grower, I think it would be intimidating to, to look at me. I should think, Oh, how could I ever have something they want? So this is encouraging to yeah. hear. I mean, You've got your standards, and, and maybe you have to educate a new, people new to the wholesale market. You know how? Oh, to, sure. How how do you want to receive product? Absolutely. How, how do you price it? And, mm-hmm. But it sounds like the branch managers in most of the markets are used to that. Yeah, I mean they're used to knowing what a product should cost, mm-hmm. um, and then they're able to assess the value mm-hmm. in their market. Does the local grown help them? Does you know 
the, the landed cost because there's not a bunch of extra cost added on mm-hmm. to there for transportation or packaging or whatever. Right. So you know, they assess all that. They've and got to. They've got to make good business decisions. But And customers, if they're asking for their home state flowers, then that's a way to, I think it's a win-win for the farmer, the small farmer who couldn't necessarily drive around to 15 different flower shops, but if they can do have a one-stop sure. with, with a wholesaler. We, we should be work. able to do that job. Hopefully... They should be able to get paid what they need to focus on growing. Yeah. Don't focus the you know your half your time on servicing those fifteen flower shops you just mentioned or delivering to them mm-hmm. when you're probably better off growing and we can do the distribution for you. Yeah. That's what that's where wholesale works. Yeah. And and I think it can still work. I really do. I think there's a, a education challenge. I'd love to work with you on it because I think there's a sense like, well, I don't want to sell to a wholesaler it's from a farmer point of view. I sure. hear this. I don't want to sell to a wholesaler because they're going to want better prices than if I sell to a wedding and event designer. Of course, but it's, it's, it's you've got to do the whole equation of volume versus your time. And, you know, like you said, do you want to grow or do you want to be a delivery driver? Yep. And so I think, I think that conversation probably is so unique to every market. That it has to be personalized. And it, it, it has to be personalized. Yeah. And it does need to be told and told again. Yeah. Um, and we're willing to. Yeah. Because we know that um, we think we're really good at representing those growers in, you know, mm-hmm. the markets they need to be represented in and giving them the return that they need yeah. to, that they can buy into that. Yeah. Because there's the economies of scale. Yeah. Even, yeah. That's that's exciting. Well, hopefully we see more of that. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be naive. I know I am sometimes, but I know that uh, imports are not going to go away. It's encouraging, though, to see that there's so much happening in the domestic landscape of people excited about growing flowers and wanting to get them to, you know, multiple channels. And um, I, I guess I'm curious to know what you think of just local flowers on the wholesale landscape in general, because I don't see some of your... I guess the competitors, your fellow wholesalers, maybe not as uh, embracing of you know working with small farms or, I mean, what? Why is that? Do you just think the industry is kind of in a middle of a disruption right now? Um, I don't know. I think I think that there's there's somewhat of a resurgence of of, of this farmer, you know, gentleman, gentlewoman farmer. Mm-hmm. That, that is their lifestyle. It's a lifestyle job. Yeah. You know, I don't think most of the, these local farms are going to be 10, 20 hectare, 20, 30 mm. acre farms, mm-hmm. commercial operations. There's a huge expense in, in right. getting those things And just going. acquiring land is... Acquiring land, yeah. every bit of it is more yeah. expensive than when you find, you know, other, other places to do yeah. it. So I don't think it's going to be that, but there is an opportunity to have a lifestyle. If you want to put your, your fingers in the dirt and you want to grow locally you can do that i think in a lot of places yeah. and i think the markets are going to receive your product mm. um i'm not sure what what other other small or their wholesalers that are not participating in that what they're about mm. um we we know there's that va- we wouldn't be participating if there wasn't value right you know right. they've got to people's got to earn their place in the the distribution channel right. and, as do we do to earn those trust from those growers to do business. But it is, I do, I do sort of, you mentioned a word earlier about differentiation. I do feel like maybe that's a distinctive that X a little more like a, almost like a luxury or couture service that maybe some mass market minded wholesalers just, it's just too labor intensive. I mean, it takes more work to deal with more farms, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, how many farms do you buy from? It takes yeah. 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. And it is more labor. It is more yeah. work. It yeah. is figuring out logistics and how do you act, could get to that area to get that person's product and it, there's a lot of that yeah a lot of work on yeah a lot of problem out. solving yep but the stories i've heard anecdotally are, are people are being really innovative and, and um, both at mayesh or at the farm there there's a desire a mutual desire to make this work and mm-hmm. people kind of jump over some hoops or yep. jump through some hoops yep. to make that happen as do we yeah we, we, we that's what i meant yep. yeah we, it goes both ways and we do so um we're on just enjoyed a wonderful presentation with uh, your design star. Uh-huh. This is uh, a program you've been doing for a couple of years. This is our second year. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What What's behind that? <laughs> Just connecting with the, your ultimate customers. Well, you know, um, I'm going to give you my take. I'm kind of representing the Mayish Market team, so I hope I do them well. <laughs> um, they came up with it. My my sister and, and her team, Cindy um, um, Boer, Yvonne Ashton, and and, and Allison. Who you met today, mm-hmm. and Jennifer, and the, the marketing team. The marketing team, that you know. So, Design Star was something that they felt we could could just do this thing, mm-hmm. and we did. We didn't do workshops. The first Design Star is about five, six years old, and it's workshops are two based. years old. Okay, and it was video. So based we did. Like, we yeah. were looking for content, okay. um, you know, seasonal shoots that we could put on YouTube and on our website and, you know, do Instagram stuff and, and show your product, show our product yeah. and show beautiful flower mm-hmm. images. And we're big about, we're big on education. Yes, you are. We want to promote education. So, um, that's where the workshops came in. Let's have a year, two years ago, the year of education. So they put together workshops. I think about five, the first year, mm-hmm. this year we're doing eight, I believe. And it was a little bit much. They're, they're big projects. It's ambitious. It's ambitious. Yeah. But we get the, I, I you know, a CEO in, in, in my leadership position, I'm a flower nut. I'm very passionate about flowers. When I get in a room with people who want to give their time, you know, to be at an all-day workshop, people have come from three, four, five hundred miles to, yeah, to be here. And locals, absolutely, um, to learn to interact with their their flower community mm-hmm. um, and share, and it's a very positive energy in there. And I'm just a huge proponent of this flower community growing. Yeah. And I think this is a way for the flower community to grow. I'm I, I'm on my soapbox now. Yeah, so go if you for forgive it. me if we'll it, wrap with this. Okay, I'm on my soapbox. <laughs> Bring Every, it home. <laughs> everybody in this industry, whether it be in retail and wholesale, a grower, other parts that I'm not even mentioning, you can post images. Of flowers, great images, stories of your farm, stories of your whatever mm-hmm. images. We all have friends that aren't in the flower business who follow us, right? Whatever, wherever they follow us, and you know what? They have friends who follow them, and when these images seep sideways and get out there, I said it earlier when I when I made a little intro. Flowers have a seat at the table, the table of lifestyle choice: fine wines, fine cheeses, gourmet cheeses, chocolates. We're sitting at that table, and I think we're at the head of the table. Yeah, I really liked that. I thought that was profound because, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously working with the Field of Ace Dinner Tour mm-hmm. for the last couple of years, that was also the desire to change the definition of what belongs at that table. Mm-hmm. And um, I hadn't thought about it from the whole lifestyle spectrum, but I really, I love it. It's like you're, you're just, you want to see flowers in every facet of if we're going to get there, we've long heard in the industry, we don't have enough promotional dollars. We, we have, it's called 
social media. It's available. We can do it. That is pretty cool. Yep. That's very really cool. You're right. It's like we don't need to have a special marketing campaign. Just employ and inspire and deploy it's your what customers. It is. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. Well, I'm hoping that we'll have some beautiful photos from the workshop to share. I, I think we so, will. I'm so glad I got to take part I'm so in glad you were a participant. Yes. In I'm going to go make my hand-tied bouquet. Okay. What's um, anything around the corner? I know you, you just... You, just announced or you're about to announce your design star for 2018 we so did um, I'll put that in the show notes for this episode. yeah uh, yeah. yeah because I don't remember. yeah no no i got the, Allie, uh, Allie next year's workshop that. series will include an international workshop i heard that wow so that's kind of fun yeah um and then we'll, we have uh five other cities domestic right. cities and right. we're just going to keep bringing that road show you know out there so that um this this is not a profit-making thing for you. This is nope. a marketing investment. It's a marketing investment. Okay. You know, we do collaborate with some of our our, our, our growers to, yeah. to participate with their products as Partners. well as... Yeah. yeah, exactly. But we, we do this um, professionally. We have a professional photographer. We have a professional videographer going forward producing, you know, for our, our uh, vendors who support us, the growers who support us. They'll... We want to... We want them to feel really good about yeah. that relationship. And then you have unique content that you've generated yourself. Yes. And you can't complain about where's the marketing budget or like the, the flower promotion campaign budget because you're just doing it yourself. Yep, we're doing you're it ourselves. waiting for someone else to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, I really enjoyed getting to meet you again and talk a little bit more. And for the listeners, we will have lots of photos um, of what's going on with Mayash and all your social places so people can find you at our show notes at deborahprinzing.com. Thanks so much, Pat. You are so welcome. I enjoyed it. I did too. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. I want to give you a heads up about a couple things on the calendar where you can meet Christy Halsey and Pat Dawson. On December 5th, Christy will host a master class at Musgrove Plantation on St. Simon Island, Georgia, with Susan McCleary of Passion Flower. Susan has been a guest at the Slow Flowers podcast twice in the past, and she's a good friend to the Slow Flowers community. This two-day design intensive looks fantastic, and I encourage you to check out the details, which include intimate design instruction with Christy and Sue, a focus on foam-free wire cage cascade bouquets, plus living jewelry such as wrist corsages, shoulder corsages, and Sue's famous floral tattoos. You'll also be part of a styled photo shoot by Lindsay Nowak, and a portfolio of your photos will be provided by Corbin Gherkin. Follow links to all the details at today's show notes on deborahprinzing.com and check it out. On March 7th through 9th, 2018, floral business coach Kelly Perry hosts the first Team Flower Conference in Orlando, which features, among other speakers, both Pat Dawson and Christy Halsey. The conference is designed to help you take your floral business to the next level and includes a presentation by Kelly on pricing, ordering, and cultivating creativity. Christy will share the story of how she transitioned from a small-town flower shop in rural Georgia to a nationwide brand. And Pat will cover the latest sourcing news and tips for working with your salesperson on substitutions. And he'll share his passion for teamwork success in the floral industry. 
Wow, I wish I could be part of both of these amazing events. Check out our links for all the details. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 255,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you to each one of you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you value the content you receive each week, I invite you to show your thanks and support the Slow Flowers podcast with a donation. The button can be found on our homepage in the right column, and your contributions will help make it possible to transcribe future episodes of the podcast. Thanks to our family of sponsors, Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality, American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season. From tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Thank you.